people, people say the most amazing things, don't they? They really do. Your mother does. I mean, trust me, this is just how life works. And um, here's some phrases that can really um, mark your whole life that have been said to you or you've said to someone else, will you marry me? Congratulations, it's a boy. Or congratulations, it's a girl. Or congratulations, it's both. (laughs) 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 You've got a job, you're hired. Or I'm sorry, I'm afraid we're going to have to let you go. Uh, Or great job, awesome, that was awesome. Or is that the best you can do? Yeah, I know, you've been told that too. Um, I can't believe I ever found you attractive. I know, epic burn. Just turn the knife while you're in there. Thank you, Gary. Okay, Uh, I need you. I love you. I hate you. Uh, I love you and everything, sweetheart, but Daddy always wanted a boy. Another knife twister right there. I'm so proud of you. The two ounces, this is two ounces, this thing right here, the tongue, two ounces of flesh and muscle, and like we discovered last week, or like God wants us to know last week, the tongue is very powerful. It can control your life, it can shape your relationships, it can uh, shape your job performance, that those little two ounces are just hugely powerful and affects everything. Today, I want to talk about the fact that the tongue is actually connected to something else. And no, it's not your uvula, okay? But we're going to get in, 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 into that today. I've discovered with myself, sometimes what I say is true. Sometimes what I say is not true. I know. It's in there, and I'm an ordained man of the cloth. So I I say truthfully, when I tell my kids, I am so proud of you, that's true. I can remember being a teenager and saying to my mom and dad, who are actually here today, I hate you. Didn't I say that at least once? Um, Yep, she's rolling her eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's not going to say anything in church, but those words came out (laughs) more than once. Guess what? They weren't true. That wasn't true. I was just angry or I felt like I had been wronged or I was trying to get back at her. I mean, some, sometimes we say things that aren't true, but we say them nonetheless and they carry a sting or there's a bite to them. And, and what we're saying isn't even true. Isn't that weird? That's one of the weirdest things about how we use our tongue. And even more so is the fact that most of us, a lot of us use words and we use our tongue to kind of mask and hide what's on the inside. The fact that we're in the South, I would like to talk about the Southern expression of this today as a transplanted Yankee who now identifies himself as a Southerner. Southerners do this very well. When I first moved here, I marveled in the ability to mask, hide, and deflect with words. Uh, Let me give you some examples. Like, um, it's it's the group of uh, people, I'll just use gender neutral, okay? So they're talking about a teacher. Oh, I just love Mrs. Gillespie. And then Mrs. Gillespie walks away, and then they're like, oh, that woman is a witch. I don't even know why they gave her a teaching license. You know, wait a minute. You just said you... Yes, uh-huh, same. Um, uh, in churches, at, on any given Sunday, throughout this whole commonwealth of Kentucky, there will be a bunch of people, the pastors who stand at the door to greet people as they leave, and people will be... That was a good word, Brother Roy. And then they'll get in the car and they'll go, 
I don't know how that man, you know, he could not preach his way out of a barn. I did, did you understand anything he said? I didn't understand. I don't think he was in the Bible today either. <laughs> okay? And so there's a duplicitousness. That's not a word, but duplicitousness with, with our speech. I'll keep, yes, I can make words. Al Gore invented the internet. I can at least invent a word every now and then. Okay? So... Nowhere is this more evident in, in the southern expression of it than in the phrase, and we've talked about this in church before, bless his heart, right? Bless his heart is the ultimate negative thing, you know, because seriously, you're talking about a young, you know, this young woman, and she's got, you know, nine kids, and she just, you know, she tries, and, you know, I don't know how they ever eat anything, and bless her heart, you know, what you really mean by that is she couldn't, if she had one kid, a full-time nanny, and a live-in nurse, she couldn't manage that house to save her life, you know, poor lady, and so, uh, you know, bless his heart, you know, he's had three different jobs in the last three weeks, bless his heart, I don't know why they keep hiring the, you know, idiot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we, we do this. And so we use words to actually mask what we really feel or what's in our heart. And we do this all the time, except when we're really, really tired. And when we're really, really tired, I see you know, because you've been on the receiving end and giving end. When we're really, really tired, there's this thing, and they call it a slip of the tongue. Now, I got a question. Why, when the truth comes out in a moment of truth, do we call it a slip of the tongue? What's that all about? That is the most crazy thing I've ever heard of my whole life. A slip of the tongue. And it just means that the truth came out. It's the oddest thing. Okay? Last Last week, we asked a couple of questions as it relates to the tongue. And we asked the question, we said, what are you saying to yourself because it's important to know how you're using words and how you're using your tongue, because there's all kinds of things we say to ourselves. For example, if you keep going around, I'm such an idiot, I'm such an idiot, eventually, you know, it kind of tracks in there somewhere, okay? So what are you saying to yourself? And then what are you saying to the people around you? And we talked about how it's important to monitor or at least be aware of what's coming out, what words you're using and how you're using your tongue. And we talked about why that's important. Today, I want to talk about another reason why that's important. And this will wrap up our little two-week thing on the tongue. But I'm going to let James explain why it's important. Because he was Jesus' brother and he does a much better job. So in the book of James, we're in chapter 3, obviously. James chapter 3. And we're going to be in verses 7 through... Oh, my goodness. 12. Yes, 12. 7 through 12. I do not need reading glasses. Um, Bigger Bible. Ooh. Okay, sorry, sidetrack there. Okay, (laughs) James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, okay? Here's 7 and 8. People contain, we talked about, we had these verses last week. People contain all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is an uncontrollable evil full of deadly poison. I mean, you can train killer whales, you can train giraffes, not very well, but you can train them. You can train dogs, most breeds. But you cannot train, tame the tongue. It is, you know, James is saying the tongue is really powerful. We can't tame it on our own. We need help. We need God's help. And, and then he kind of fleshes this out in the, in the remaining verses. Sometimes the tongue praises, verse 9, sometimes the tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. 
And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. That a person could praise God one moment on a Sunday morning and then turn around on the drive home and say, you idiot. You know, James is saying, that's absolutely crazy. Isn't it crazy? It's the same thing in the same mouth. How can that be, he says? Well, there's a connection. See, the tongue is actually connected to another part of you, a a, part of you, your heart, what the Bible would call your heart. I'm not talking about the little however many ounces it is that's beating right now inside your chest cavity. I'm talking about the, the, the biblical idea of heart. In other words, your will, your emotions, your thought, who you, you know, the essence of who you are, your heart. Tongue and heart are connected. In fact, what James is alluding to is what Jesus talked about. And don't flip there. I'm going to flip there for you. It's in Matthew chapter 15. And there's this whole question about what makes you unclean. And if you were a Jew, you obsessed about it. Unclean, unclean, you're unclean, he's unclean, they're unclean, don't touch them, they're unclean, six more days. Jesus, in this little debate over unclean, kind of uh, puts a new stake in the ground. And he says this, and this is found in Matthew 15. Don't you understand, Jesus asked, anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes out the body. No rocket science there. But evil words come from an evil heart. And defile the person who says them. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and all kinds of sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands could never defile you and make you unacceptable to God. What comes out of the tongue, in other words, reveals what's in the heart. And we've all known it because we've been around somebody who was tired and had a slip of the tongue. And then, what? Are you saying, oh, no, no, I meant, uh, you know, and then there's the fumbling that happens, okay? So heart and tongue are connected. Let's uh, pick up the next couple of verses. Verse 11, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. And James is appealing to the same thing Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, where he's talking about fruit, which is basically, you get apples from what kind of tree? Apple tree. You get oranges from what kind of tree? Can you get an orange from an apple tree? Wait, you don't sound convinced. Can you get an apple from an orange tree? No, you cannot. At least not yet. (laughs) With all our genetic engineering, it's still not possible, okay? So... The, the point here is, if you're, if you're not walking with God, if your heart isn't in the process of being transformed, and you're not walking, what Paul would say, walking by the Spirit, and you've got heart things going on, of course, what comes out of your tongue is going to have this mix of bad, yucky, painful, bitey stuff. It's, it's, part, of the, it's part of what you would expect. Um, and so James eminently concerned that any of us would be double-minded about anything is saying, look, just remember, guys, your tongue is connected to your heart. So if you've got tongue issues, if you've been saying things that you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't say that, I wish I wouldn't say that, then maybe you ought to do some examination in the heart to see what's in there. 
and see if there are some things that maybe God needs to do so that what's coming out of your mouth are the things that God wants to come out of your mouth. And again, the kicker is you and I can't do this on our own. This isn't, seriously, don't you know people at work, duct tape is not going to solve their problem. Seriously, I mean, come on. If you put a, that's not going to change the whole problem, is it? Because it's a heart issue. The duct tape solves nothing, and it just really hurts when you rip it off. Um, so let me ask a, a new question today, okay? Here's, here's the question I'd like to pose. Are there ways in which you and I could tweak what we say without being false? And that's a key thing. Are there, thing, are there ways that you and I could tweak what we say without being false, that would encourage and build up other people. If there are, then do it. Because words will affect not just the other people, but your heart. There's a two-way thing. Gary Smalley tells this story about a wife who wanted her bedroom painted. And she went after her husband with a vengeance for nine months. You know, you said you were going to get to that bedroom, and you haven't gotten to it, and it's been three weeks. You know, you said you were going to get to that bedroom, and it's been five weeks. You come home and you sit down in front of that TV and you don't, you know, the paint things are right there in the garage. You know, when you came home, you could change into your painting clothes. Now, she wasn't that bad, ladies. I'm exaggerating. But, <laughs> but he didn't paint the bedroom. Well, they did this marriage Gary Smalley thing, okay? And so she changed her strategy and she started complimenting him on the, what she considered to be the few things he did. But she complimented those few things, baby. Do you know how quickly the bedroom was painted? In under three weeks. It took nine months with one set of words, and it took three weeks with another set of words. So words have this. And she reported later to, to Gary Smalley, she said, you know, I actually like him now. You know, and there was, there, in other words, there was a heart change that accompanied the words. So words and heart were connected. It was the weirdest thing, okay? I actually like him now. That's good because you're married. Woo! All right? <laughs> it happens. <laughs> All right? So, so the, the, first, the first thing is a practical thing. Are there, are there ways that you and I could tweak and change what we're saying so that it's in building up and encouraging the others around us? Again, without being false. If you're being false, your wife will smell it, your husband will smell it, your kids will smell it, your parent. I mean, everybody can smell falsity. You know, if you're being insincere, just don't. If you can't say anything nice, okay, there you go. All right? So here's, here's the second thing, and this is the far more important thing. Um, it's risky, but it's worthwhile. I've prayed this at times in my life, and I can tell you it actually works. And, that, and that's this. Pray and ask God to give you eyes to see as he sees and ask him to change your heart. Uh, a while back, uh, probably five years ago, oh, I had an axe to grind against baby boomers as a generation. Oh, I just couldn't, you know, was, you know you're ruining the church. You're putting this country into debt. You know, our, my kids are going to have to live in, you know, France or Mexico, okay, to get a job. You know, you know I just had a lot of angst and anger with baby boomers. And, you know, the, really, a lot of times when you're angry, it just means that there's an offense and some forgiveness stuff that needs to work out on the inside. And so, you know, God kind of, but I prayed. I started praying. Okay, God, I know you actually love baby boomers because you love Xers and we complain all the time. So if you love us, I know you got to love them, okay? So even though they're running a country in the ground, okay? So, but, and then God, over a period of weeks and months, changed my heart. Uh, 
Now I can, I can sit in a room of baby boomers. I actually feel for where they are in life. I love them. I, can't, I couldn't say this five years ago. I really couldn't. I, five years ago, I would be more like, I despise them. But see, you know, so if, if God can change me, and I'm a pastor, those are the hardest people to change. There's hope, okay? But it starts with giving God permission, which is pray and ask God, hey, God, I want to see people. I want to see my wife. I want to see my, you know, my husband. I want to see my father the way you see them. Give me eyes to see people the way you see them. Change my heart. Help me to love them the way you love them. Um, again, it's the connection between tongue and heart. Here's, here's a way in which it, can, it, it plays out if we don't check this. Uh, I knew a seminary professor who would come home, and every day he would come home, and he would just unload about the day and, and about seminary and all the bickering that can happen in the department and all that kind of stuff with his wife. Okay, so he, this was the daily routine. Come home and, you know, and, you know, they're giving Bill the class on blah, 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 you know, okay. Over time, his wife came to despise the seminary. She saw the seminary as a bunch of, like, devils. Well, year, you know, a few years pass, and he was offered a, a vice president position, one of the VP slots. You know, it was kind of like a promotion thing. Well, she would have nothing of it. So not only did he have to turn it down, you know, a year later they ended up moving away because she hated the seminary so much. And, and really, did the seminary do anything to her personally? No, it was just her husband coming home each and every day and, you know, with the power of words, and over time it had a cumulative effect on her heart, and rightly so. Okay? He, here's the good news. This isn't this tongue-heart thing. This isn't about perfection. I tell my son this. I tell myself this. This isn't about perfection, being perfect. But it's allowing God to change your heart so that your speech is flavored with God's chief seasoning. And you know what that is? Love. So that your words are words of love. And that's what I want for you and for the people around you and for your homes this summer and always.